Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Joko. Matt joins me. We are here for a short IndyCar episode because there really isn't too much going on right now. But first off, Matt, how is life in lovely Minnesota? It's all right. Uh, sorry to the IndyCar fans out there. It's like a, I'm not trying to be sassy. It's like a sorry, not sorry, because we are sorry we haven't done an episode in a while, but it's also we haven't had like anything to talk about. There, We just kind of take a look at the news, take a look at what's out there, take a look at any discussion points that we could potentially talk about and other than Roman Grosjean and iRacing there really hasn't been anything the last two three weeks oh, don't forget Connor Daly has a mullet Connor Daly does have a mullet it is majestic it's feathered and lovely but uh there's only so much we can talk about that for before everybody turns off it's in a weird place because Interview requests are getting largely ignored, it feels like. And for those wondering, it doesn't look like we'll be doing a ton of at-track coverage this year, which is, I guess, a, a bit of a bummer. But you know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll still cover just you know pretty much like last year for the most part, it seems. I'm obviously not going to pretend I'm not bummed out. But such is life, and hopefully everybody is safe and healthy right now. But... We're very briefly going to touch on iRacing and then kind of a, a rant. So the iRacing Challenge started tonight, which is Thursday night, so a couple days ago at this point, and I guess runs the next, is it every Thursday, the next three Thursdays? I don't even know. Uh, Homestead is soon, and then there's only one other race, which is a fan vote, and it's, last I saw was down to Sebring or Kentucky, and... Please be Kentucky. I cannot watch these guys race on Sebring. Yeah, I'm not not really a big fan of watching just iRacing in general. Just not super exciting. Okay, then the the next race is the 25th. So I see that it was literally right on my other monitor, and I I missed that. And then April 1st is the the final one. So it's it's going to be Sebring. It's, it's going to be April, some sort of April Fools, just to like punk with us, and it's going. Don't like that. I will admit I made it through about six or seven laps before I kind of just wasn't feeling eye racing anymore. So, Matt, is there anything worth anything interesting before we get to the, the heart of this short IndyCar episode? It seems like they put out messages about the fact that there was a race. I just think that the one thing they had going for last season was, well, A... Everybody was sitting at home and there was no such thing as watching sports on anywhere. You know, there was no sports going on last time they did this. So created a lot of buzz. It gave some people gave some for us to do. You know, looking at the field, I think there were fifteen IndyCar drivers, but some of them like, you know, James Davison, RC Enerson, Sage Karam, they're not exactly full time drivers. At this point, Davison's pretty much focused full on NASCAR. Yes. Davison's now a NASCAR driver who does the Indy five hundred. Guys like Connor Daly, Alex Rossi. I mean, obviously, Santino Ferrucci's not an IndyCar driver anymore, but, you know, he might do the Indy 500 still, and he could have gotten an invite. You know, some of the some of the characters that made it fun last year, Pato, uh, they weren't there today. So, I don't know. It just it was kind of lacking the pizzazz that it had last year. It wasn't as, we'll say, edgy. 
damage was off tonight, which I didn't understand that. Then it's just like, you know, hit the wall, whatever. Interesting. Yeah, Scotty hit the wall several times. I mean, I would too, obviously, but he hit the wall. I was watching McLaughlin stream for about 25 laps and then kind of gave up. So, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of getting down to a a thing we're going to be talking about later too. It's just kind of like marketing in general, but um, it was okay. I think Homestead should be a lot funner. Hopefully guys like Daly and whatnot can make it. I don't know if there was like schedule conflicts or they weren't invited or what, what the deal was. And then that finale, I mean, if it's Sebring, I don't know if I'll bother. I'm, I'm, I'll maybe watch practice or have the Twitch stream up while I'm doing something else, but it's, uh, it's kind of lost its luster, I think. And I don't know. I don't know if there's a solution or if it's just kind of like part of the bigger picture here of IndyCar is kind of just on the back burner everywhere, really. Yeah, you know what's weird is I, I get maybe they're trying to keep the field somewhat smaller, and they they I saw like a tweet that there was going to be like a road to injury indie entry, and Brad Neves was in it, but then there was Nikita Lachochkin. Wow, I butchered that one. I'm not even going to pretend I got that right, and. There might have been one or two other road to indie guys that just aren't coming to my mind right now. Is there a Sykes guy? Does that ring a bell? Simon Sykes, yeah, he was in USF 2000 last year for like part of the year, and I think did F4 or Formula Ford or something like very you know low level. He's a young kid. Yeah, Pietro so- was there, so it's like a lot of talented drivers out there. It's just not necessarily like the core of the IndyCar field that we will see primarily this year. So I think that we'll transi- transition that into the beginning of our what what we sat down to talk about is well I, I guess we'll we'll start with the numbers from the from the streaming aspect of this so we can get you know numbers in in essentially real time because it was it was just streaming it wasn't on TV or anything like that and it's pretty bad so two thousand people watched the stream. Uh, in real time from IndyCar.com. Then a couple drivers had the Twitch streams or YouTube. Joseph Newgarden had a couple hundred people on YouTube. Alex Polo, I think, had around 150 on Twitch. And Scotty McLaughlin and had somewhere between five and 600. And, and Grosjean had about 1,000 on, on his Twitch stream. And, I mean, honestly... A Thursday evening, six thirty starts kind of awkward because it's people are getting home from work if they're back in the office or eating dinner or whatever else you have going on, still working. And the marketing behind it, like they didn't really promote it at all. It was like, oh, we're gonna do this, and here's the races. Like I didn't see much on, you know, Joseph Newgarden who. His social media team is is pretty active. Did next to nothing. I'm just going down the list of guys who were streaming. I saw a couple Insta stories from Sage Karam, so you know he put in some effort. But Pelo's team or Pelo, you know, nobody actually like the series didn't promote anything for this. Really, other than on IndyCar.com, and most people don't go to IndyCar.com. Yeah, I, I just I, I think it's coming to the point where it's just like the whatever strategy they're doing, they have some cool graphics of like, you know, Roadman Grosjean comes in IndyCar and like, here's a cool graphic of Roman Grosjean. And like, that's cool, but it's also like, it's almost like a, it's a start. Like you need, 
more. And you see what Formula One does with their social media. They wipe the floor not only with IndyCar, but I think just in sports in general. They do an amazing job of like top 10 videos. Oh, hey, look, there's a video clip from practice of Robert Kubica throwing his phone out of the car in Bahrain in 2010. Or here is a cool quote of Max Verstappen making a joke in practice with, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Captions. There's like captions as the video is going of like, so you can read it. It's pretty, pretty apparent, pretty flashy. Just like that. Like, I don't... I could be ignorant. I just don't feel like what Formula One is doing is that weird of a concept. They're basically just taking a bunch of video clips or a bunch of cool moments, like the top 10 most emotional podium celebrations. Like, I feel like that kind of stuff would be, quote unquote, relatively easy to do. It's just you got to kind of like put in the effort to do it or kind of figure out the strategy behind it to implement it. And on just IndyCar's social media presence this offseason. I don't know why. I mean, there's been some cool silly season storylines. There's been some cool signings this offseason. I think that's been intriguing. But I just think, like, going into the season, I don't think there's ever been an IndyCar season I've been less excited for than this year. And on the flip side, well, sorry. On the flip side, Formula One, you, you and I both know that we're super hyped for Formula One this year just because I feel like there's a lot of positivity around Formula One and there's a lot of cool storylines going into the season and the Indy cars just like, Hey, there's a cool rookie of the year battle between a guy who's going to race every race. And then two other guys who aren't racing every race, which means it's not really going to be a competition. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is their off season marketing has not helped this I racing competition, but yes, we'll move on from the actual I racing point there or I'll, I'll move on from it. But yeah, it's, it's really weird. I feel like going into 2020, obviously we couldn't have predicted a pandemic was going to change the world. And you know, for last year and, and I guess technically you know, for this year too, but there was a lot of positive momentum in IndyCar. You know, good race schedule race, race dates are essentially the same. Indy 500 was strong. Everything looked positive. There was some good promotion going into the offseason that I scrolled back and looked through. And I just feel like this offseason, there's, there's a few things that that I, I I feel like after 2020, like the 2020 NASCAR season was pretty abysmal, not not particularly exciting in any in any way. F1 was obviously good. But there was still the the U.S. racing market was still able to. You know, NASCAR numbers were down. IndyCar TV numbers were steady last year, maybe a little down. But there was this year was the year for IndyCar to really jump up there in a TV contract year. A lot of momentum that they could bring into the year, and instead, after November, when I guess like silly season was essentially done, minus Marco. It's an announcement. It's really been the only thing that's happened in 2021. I guess technically Kellett, Bourdais. I know we're getting real exciting with the announcements here. But outside of that, we get a YouTube video, not necessarily every week, of an old race, which I don't think, I think, you know, for for fans like us and, and other people who are, are IndyCar fans, 
great. That's exciting. That's cool. You know, you might watch it. I don't necessarily watch every week. This week's was Walt Disney. Or you just like a highlight of it. Like instead of posting the two hour video, why don't you post like a four minute highlight montage of it and make it exciting? Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to sit down and watch a two no. hour IRL race. But if you look 19- hard enough, you can find that anywhere on YouTube. It doesn't have to come from the official IndyCar page either. So that's somebody, another one that's just like why? Somebody actually I saw it on Twitter maybe half hour before we started recording. So IndyCar posted that video earlier today. IndyCar also posted the Walt Disney race 10 years ago. And there's another Twitter, another Twitter, there's another YouTube account that has the full broadcast with some Tony George interview and some other stuff that other broadcasts have edited out on YouTube. That's five minutes longer than the one that was posted today or something like that. So, I mean, it's been posted already. We're not, and I get posting old races like it drums up some interest, but at the Walt Disney track, like, aren't we posting like, a St. Pete race or like somewhere where we're going this year that might build up excitement. I just maybe once in a while, you know, there's an epic like IRL at Dover. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, cool. But it's the same thing and it's not consistent every week. And then we get these IndyCar.com articles. Well, I'll stick with the YouTube right now. We'll, we'll go to the IndyCar.com stuff in a little bit. We're going to get all the bases here. Well, it's just, yeah, I think it's, to sit here, like slap a two-hour video on YouTube and just be like, "There we go, we're set for the week." It's it's lazy. It's it's not optimal. It's I think with social media the way it is nowadays, you gotta kind of put yourself at the forefront and try to lead conversation as much as you can. And that's what Formula One does. They they post like ten things a day, and IndyCar is like two a week, if that. I know there's budget constraints and all that, so I'm not necessarily blaming the department per se. It's almost more like, you know, are is there just a serious misallocation of resources right now? Like, is are they just severely underfunded? Are they not have staff? Do they not have the rights to some of these images? I highly doubt they don't have the rights to stuff, but there's I feel like there's just a disconnect somewhere. You know, the stuff that Formula One is is posting most days is it's all relatively entertaining to me. It's interactive. There's some cool graphics that go with everything, even if it's, hey, here's the track layout for the new track yeah. we're racing. You know, nothing that's like all really all that exciting, but it's just really well done. And I don't, you know, I know IndyCar was hiring a bunch of marketing people in this off season. I know there's a few positions open that I saw on LinkedIn. I don't know if they they got filled or or i guess really what's going on there but you'd you'd think if they were hiring they know they they need to do something but instead it's i feel like it's gotten even quieter if that makes sense yeah and if we want to move on to the website so i don't particularly have a whole lot to say when i think formula one website they they pro they post like top 10 lists every now and then and things like that but it's I am not the biggest, when it comes to reading, I'm not the biggest fan on that. That's just a me thing. It's not like a society thing, I right. don't think. So what are, what are your thoughts about like Formula1.com or IndyCar.com or if you want to focus on IndyCar and what you think they could be doing better? I'll start with, let me pull up the website here, F1.com, so I can talk about it in real time. The website is honestly just more visually appealing to me. 
They've got everything easily laid out. Video, the schedule, drivers, teams, etc. You know, they have a link to their esports league and fantasy F1 and F1, the mobile game. I, I honestly don't know what that is, but there's everything that F1 is posting on their social media channels that you and I talked about is essentially on the website. So there's not necessarily a reason to go to the website, but there's, there's plenty there. Everything's pretty interesting. Then you go over to IndyCar.com, which is again, much sleeker than it used, much nicer than it used to be. Everything's pretty laid out nicely, except for if you're trying to find, Fantasy, okay, fantasy indie car is a little bit better than it used to be, but you scroll down and okay, you got the schedule here, then a big graphic of the drivers, and then at the very bottom we have just the YouTube YouTube clip, something on Lynn St. James that was published today, and that's pretty much it. There's there's nothing that to me like the the articles that are written on indycar.com about. You know, we talked about the one a couple of weeks ago that was F1 drivers that came to IndyCar and, and things like that. And well, but no, that's like one that like at least generates discussion. Like I appreciated that at least. But that was the only time this off season, right? That one of those articles was written, and and not to take anything away from those who are writing on there, but you know, outside of that, everything's kind of generic. Okay, Grosjean is serious about his success in IndyCar or iRacing. Don't care. VK <laughs> plays for a breakout season. Okay, that's cool. Scott McLaughlin, happy to be in the U.S. Well, going back to VK, it's like, what are they supposed to say? Like, VK is prime for slump in second year. Will he have a sophomore slump? Sure. RHR never stops driving to prove his worth. Oh, okay. Does he know what job he's in? Isn't that the point? Yeah. Then they had something, two two notebooks on on IndyCar media content days, and the most memorable thing that happened in two days of IndyCar media content days was Connor Daly's mullet. Judging by the picture, that's on one of the the, the articles. Well, I guess the one, the next one's going to be recap of the test, which is probably going to have three paragraphs about Grosjean spinning and getting back out. Actually, that's like two down from that, so you're you're not far off. <laughs> And, you know, something on who's the next first time winner. Like, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, there's like top 10 most likely to be the first time yeah. winners this year. That That's a good one. Takeaways from testing. It's testing. Don't don't take anything away from it, guys. Don't don't dive too deep. Except we just talked about a whole F1 episode about that. But don't 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 listen to us. No, uh, listen, there are there are things to take away from testing. I'm contradicting myself. I know, but we don't need to. Okay. I'll I'll stop contradicting myself on that one, and I retract. I retract no, my I mean, previous. I mean, I'm the biggest. Don't talk too much about testing, but again, it's like I think Formula One's a little different, but that's just my take. It's indie IndyCar testing. If they had the open testing where every car was on track and they're they're, they're running similar to how Formula One did it, I think you can gain more from all the Honda teams running or all the Chevy teams running at Sebring or Barber or whatever. So yeah, fair. Other than that, I'm looking here, tons of Grosjean stuff, more Scott McLaughlin stuff, four Ed Jones articles. There's there's not a lot that 
Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Gets people excited about what's going on in IndyCar this year. Yeah, and if I think if it's okay with you, I'll segue into social media now. Yeah. There is more to life than followers. However, I think follower count for a racing league is an indication of popularity plus content. So, for example, I mean, obviously the Indy 500 gets 300,000 people to show up and then gets, what, 4 million viewers or thereabouts on TV in America. So, but not everybody's going to have a Twitter or not everybody's going to want to follow IndyCar on Twitter. Just like, you know, F1 broadcast probably gets, I don't, I don't want to over-speculate, but it probably gets millions and millions and millions and millions of people to watch a Formula One race. I don't think that's an unfair assessment. And so if we're looking at social media, again, not every NASCAR fan is going to follow the NASCAR account. NASCAR has 3.4 million followers on Twitter. Uh, F1 has 5.2 million. IndyCar has 382,000. F2 has 275,000. And Formula E has 244,000. So actually, IndyCar, as far as our follower account on Twitter, is pretty healthy. I mean, their 382,000 compared to F1's 5.2 million is a little sad. But... Again, that goes back to A, F1 is super super popular around the world. And B, their social media is super engaging and has a lot of fun, creative, interactive posts for people to look into. So if I'm a casual F1 fan and I see all this content, oh, let me give them a follow. 
but I'm, you know, a casual IndyCar fan and I'm looking at what they put out there. And if it's not interesting to me, it's like, well, you know, what am I getting out of following IndyCar right now? And, you know, I could fluctuate, you know, when the season starts and they start posting regular updates of like practice and whatnot, maybe the follower count go up. And then when the off season hits, it goes back down again, or I don't know, there's a lot to it. And then on the Instagram side, this one's a little mind blowing. So IndyCar, unfortunately, is just getting slaughtered on Instagram. So Formula One has 12.2 million followers. Do they really? It's insane. And if I click on a their last post, which is five hours ago, talking about their fastest street circuits because the Saudi Arabian street circuit layout was released today. Just in five hours alone, it has 141,000 likes in five hours. For comparison, IndyCar's last post was a quote from Janet Guthrie five days ago that has 2,800 likes. So 141,000 to 2,800. And one of the big things... Not to cut you off, but I'm continuing on the same topic while you while you keep looking. One of the big things that somebody taught me when we started putting out social media content for the show was not necessarily, oh, you have X number of followers, but how much engagement is your are your tweets or posts doing? And you know, looking at the hello post from three hours ago that he won the iRacing. He has 300 likes and five comments in three hours. So I'm no math major, but 300 likes out of 380,000 followers is 1% or something like that, roughly. So, yeah, and I'm trying to do some quick math here. So, yeah, it's kind of just like, again, it's not the end all be all per se. But there's there's a little bit to be said there. So, and I guess with the ratio too. I mean, it's, granted, it's been five hours, and more people are going to be liking this post. But so far, one point one percent of followers of Formula One have liked that last post, and then that was five hours ago. The Indy cars from five days ago has less than one percent of their followers liking it. So it could just be the post. I don't know, but there's I think there's something to be said there. So with Formula One. Again, 12.2 million followers. Next up out of the list of the Instagram categories I listed, or sorry, Twitter accounts that I listed. So next up would be NASCAR with 1.4 million. So a significant drop off. So again, I think it goes to show again, Formula One is very popular, but then also their social media team just kind of knocks it out of the park. Formula E has 815,000, which is pretty surprising given your Twitter account doesn't have as many, but their Instagram account seems to be doing well. And if I'm just doing a quick, glance a lot of good graphics a lot of cool photos a lot of cool videos and whatnot of just kind of either past moments or from their first round next is sadly formula 2 formula 2 has 520,000 followers and that is 200,000 more than indycar and if i want to look at what indy lights pulls in does Indy Lights not even I don't have one? I was going to say, do they not even right. have one? So I just want to get my... So the Indy Lights doesn't have one, which is, I don't blame them because, you know, last year was nine cars. Who wants, who wants to follow an Instagram car account on... I'm sorry, well, two years ago because they didn't run last year. But, you know, two years ago they had nine cars. It's like, I don't want to follow an Instagram call, account following a series of nine cars. And then so you get to IndyCar and they have 305,000. So the junior series of Formula One has... 215,000 more followers in IndyCar. 
and it looks very Formula One ish. It's just got a lot of like you know highlights of Mick Schumacher last year or testing clips or here's the new liveries and it's a lot. There's just a lot of content here, and I think it's it's you know looking really good. So, and I will give Formula E credit since you brought up their Instagram and you know, eight hundred thousand followers. Or so they. On their their content isn't necessarily super interesting on non race weekends, but on race weekends, their social media is very active. They're pretty responsive when fans and people tag them and stuff and, and whatnot. And the different things the Instagram account does with you know, fan votes for that horsepower boost that the guys get and whatnot it drives in another level of social media engagement. So while it might be a little tacky and I still don't know if I like it, it does bring in more people to, to watch it. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, I mean, and that's, I think, I think kind of coming back full circle a little bit is that Mike and I will never sit here and say that IndyCar isn't entertaining. It, it has a dud of a race every now and then, but as a whole, it produces some of the best racing out there. It's just kind of sad that through stuff that is out of everybody's control from 30 years ago with the split, the current marketing team were probably nowhere near racing when the split happened 30 years ago. Roger Penske was, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. IndyCar has kind of always had to constantly recover because of political turmoil or sponsorship or et cetera, et cetera. The split was obviously the big thing, though, that really kind of put open wheel racing back a little bit. But, you know, last several years, they've produced some excellent racing, and it's it's kind of like a really well-kept secret when you compare it to Formula One and NASCAR. And some of that's down to decision-making behind the scenes, and some of that's just down to the modern age of social media and how other series and other sports do really good job at, at marketing and posting content on their social medias. And some series and sports out there can maybe look at it and do a little bit of a better job to get the, the word out there a little better. Even like the MLB through spring training does like these, like, like you mentioned earlier, like four minute, like recap sort of things with spring training stuff. And that's pretty cool because nobody wants to sit and watch an entire spring training game. Right. So you're driving social media interaction, which in turn helps your marketing efforts, which in turn helps people who are maybe casual fans, want to watch more when the season starts. And I feel like this off season with the NBC contract up for renewal and the Peacock stuff going on, there's a big chance for IndyCar to gain a lot of momentum before the season started. And instead it's just kind of stale and quiet right now. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. There's just, not a whole lot going on. I mean, it's like Grosjean, Jimmy Johnson, and that's about it. Like the rookie of the year battle, cool. That's not even going to be a yeah. battle, right? We ever since the Peretta Autosport announcement, there's been one article about it from David Malsher, which was really well done. But I, I would think IndyCar would want to get them out and be doing interviews and, and whatnot hint, hint if Peretta Autosport is listening to this I'm still waiting for an email back and so are like three other 
media people that I have talked to. So things like that that are slipping through the cracks that could bring in more fans. You know, a female team is really exciting for for IndyCar, and we're not really doing too much with it. Yeah, so we still love IndyCar. We don't want this to be like a we hate IndyCar because, you know, there are a lot of great people within the the organization that do a lot of great work. And it's kind of where I go back to earlier. Maybe it's just a misallocation of resources right now or something. But, uh, you know, we're still, we don't want people to think that we're not going to watch IndyCar because we're definitely still going to love the races and hopefully we get a lot of good shows this year because it's still a great series. It's just kind of been a, a tough off season with wanting to look forward to the season starting, we'll say. Yeah. Listen, we're still going to cover everything. Still do you know, the watch parties that I did with IndyCar Nation, hopefully. I guess I should find out on that one. But, you know, still still do a lot of stuff, try to get as many interviews as we can. Obviously, the Meyershank Racing Partnership will be doing plenty of interviews with, with those guys. They're very responsive and, and excited to do things. Just, just a little off-season frustration about marketing because I want IndyCar to regain some of that magic it had throughout the sports world before. And I'm not saying it has to get to NASCAR TV levels or Formula One TV levels, but more than it's currently getting, which is very little and a little scary when you're up for a TV contract renewal. Yeah. I mean, it's a dog eat dog world. So at the end of the day, you can't settle. You always got to be striving to do better to improve is to change to perfect is to change often. What, that's a good one. I think we should just end on end on, on end on that, and we'll hopefully have some more news to or any news to cover in the near future. Otherwise, the preview is coming eventually. So, yeah, not not too far off now. By the time this releases, we are under a month until the season starts. So, getting close to season preview predictions and. Barber predictions so we can laugh at how awful my predictions are as usual. So we will be back next week with more. Have a good one, guys. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, 
such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!